Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today it's all about the iPhone 15 yet again. My friend Wes and I have them in hand. We're going to talk all about it. The USB-C port, the action button, the cameras, and more. Plus, the first beta of iOS 17.1 came out, so we know what features should be coming there. macOS Sonoma is out for everyone and a ton more. This episode is brought to you by Notion AI and HelloFresh. And like I mentioned, joining me today is my good friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Pretty uh, pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my iPhone and happy to be here. <laughs> Oh, very good. I'm happy also with my iPhone. I'm also happy to be here. And I want to talk, there's a lot to talk about. A lot has come out since the iPhone was launched and released and initial reviews showed off some things, but I feel like in further testing, it has revealed that this year's upgrade, I think is actually pretty significant, especially when you talk about that USB-C port, which I'm totally going to nerd out in a moment on that. Uh, I do want to mention real quickly before we jump into all the iPhone 15 stuff, there was a nice article from ZDNet where they were talking about the top 10 Apple podcasts and YouTube channels. This was from Jason Heiner, and I appreciate him including the Apple Insider podcast in his top five podcasts for Apple News and Tech. That was very kind of him, and we were among other great names in there. So thank you. The uh, non-bombastic Stephen Robles and non-bombastic. two additional co-hosts. I mean, I, I love the article, and I love that we were mentioned. It's all great. It, uh, no, no hard feelings. I just had to laugh at the like Mike Wazowski moment in Monsters Inc. where he where he keeps getting blocked by the logo and stuff like he's never <laughs> yes. actually in the ads and he's just so excited. So that that's me today. I'm I'm very excited to be blocked by the Apple Insider logo and Well, I've uh, I'm sorry that you and William were not personally mentioned. Oh, it's fine. I mean, William has his own Wikipedia page. He doesn't need any more press. But Right. No, yeah, he's he's world famous. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But no, you guys are obviously a huge part of the show. Again, among great names in there. I'm curious what non-bombastic means, like what hosts are bombastic when I am compared to them, but I don't know, maybe I'll reach out specifically what he means by that, maybe. But uh, it was wonderful to be featured. So thank you, ZDNet, uh, for that. All right, let's talk about the iPhone 15. I got my Pro Max in hand in blue titanium. You have the iPhone 15 Pro Max in natural titanium, one terabyte. Is that right? Uh, I got black. I got the black. Oh, you got, that's right. You got the black. Yeah, I'm the only one, the only one on earth who ordered the black phone. Literally the only one to get black titanium. So I have to say, I went to the Apple store the other day to return my fine woven case. We'll get to that in a second. And I I looked at all the phones while I was there, which the white and the black titanium pro phones, I feel like the Apple store displays uh, used to be like all the pro phones were together and you could kind of see all the colors side by side. The way at least my Apple brand in Florida Apple store has it set up now, it shows on every display, it has the four phones in a row, 15, 15 plus, 15 pro, 15 pro max. Like, so if you want to see the pro models, you only get two side by side, meaning you only get two colors max. And they don't even do that. Most of the time, it's like two of the same color for the Pro and Pro Max on those little displays. So anyway, I walked around to all the tables to see all the colors, natural titanium, blue titanium. Everyone, you know, when the initial reviews came out and all the hands-on stuff, everyone was like, natural titanium is the color to go with this year. And I will say in person, it looks very nice, but seeing all the colors now with my own eyeballs in person I'm good with my blue titanium choice. I feel like it's enough of a hint of color to be different. You know, I do think the black titanium looks good. The white or silver titanium looks just like my iPhone 14 Pro did because I got the silver version there. And so I'm like, you know, I didn't want the same color two years in a row. So I'm glad I, I went different. And natural titanium's cool, but I'm down for my blue. 
So how do you feel about your, your choice of black titanium? Um, color is identical year over year. I think it might be the only phone that has the exact same color. And it might be the first time Apple has actually consistently had the same black phone year over year. Yes. Uh, you can see in my review, like I have a couple of them side by side. The back glass is the same color. There's just no differentiating it. The only difference is, is the side rim. Uh, one is glossy, one isn't. And I, I prefer the matte finish. Yeah. And the color is a little bit, I would say, a brighter gray on the titanium than um, mm -hmm. the stainless steel was able to be a darker black color, which is fine. Not something I'm too picky about, but it, it came out okay overall. Uh, people are worried about things scratching off. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's really going to be that much of an issue, but I've been caseless all week and haven't had any dings or scratches yet. But you, in your caseless forever right you've always gone caseless i tinker with cases especially uh when i'm riding the bike uh like magsafe in a case is always going to be stronger than magsafe on the phone uh just because there's more grip mm, I'll, right. I'll have a like case i put on when i'm going to go biking but yeah generally i, I like to go without a case yes. um i actually ordered a case to play with uh oh Spigen, Spigen. Yeah, yeah. Those guys came out with Mac G3 anniversary case with the, in the Bondi blue, and I had to get that. Nice. So, uh, I hate rubber textile cases like that, so I'll probably hate actually using it, but it's very pretty, <laughs> and I wanted to order it. So, well, and real quick, we'll talk about cases before we jump into the features because I do think there's a lot to talk about with USB C and all that. But I had gotten a fine woven case and a silicone case. We actually talked about it last time you were on the show because those arrive early, uh, way before the phones. You know, I had my thoughts about fine woven. I wasn't crazy about it. Since then, there's just been an explosion online of just complete hate for the fine woven cases. I mean, The Verge had an article like, this has been universally just totally tore apart, both literally and figuratively. So there's a YouTube videos about that too. I linked it in last week's episode. If if someone scratches a case on TikTok, everyone's going to start scratching cases. That's just how it goes. One million views. Yeah. One million views immediately. Also, We'll talk about durability too in a second, but with the cases, the fine woven case, like I didn't probably hate it as much as some people do, but I didn't prefer it. And when I went to the Apple store to return mine, the fine woven display, just everybody's initials just scratched into the cases. I don't know if it's just people can't resist, people are testing it, but just scratches all over the place. So I'm not going to side with fine woven because I, I think Apple had a little bit of a misstep here, but this feels a little bend gate -y. Little if bit. you go if you go out of your way to damage a product, it's gonna be damaged. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, this thing's probably easy to stain. It's like you have uh, you put some blue jeans on your iPhone, and now you, you have to worry about what surfaces you're putting it on. You, I, I just wonder if this ever got any real world use because right. it doesn't feel like a real world product. It feels like the kind of thing that Apple makes because Apple can make it, and it's very twined together. Some plastic they found in the ocean and and uh, colored a, a beautiful color and it's very expensive but it's also very recycled yeah. and good for the earth and they're selling it for $60 to, so you can hang it on your wall and look at it and never actually use it. The one the one I feel like Vitici, Federico Vitici from Mac Stories, he talked about how he, he was using the fine woven case. He was trying to use it for multiple days. He went to a restaurant, set it down on the table and only when he got home or maybe the next day realized that the back had been stained because whatever he placed it on, maybe he didn't see uh, stain the case. And this is a thing with fabric where fabric and clothes stain just naturally. And so it seemed like there's a spot. Now you could have done that with a leather case and it might've also marked up somewhat permanently, 
but with the leather, I guess it kind of works into a patina. <laughs> so I guess, you know, jeans and fabric and cloth, like they don't patina, they can stain. And I guess you could say it adds character like a patina on a leather case, but I just don't think it looks like it. Well, like a worker coveralls covered in paint. Right. Listen, I'm down for that too. That's, that's a cool look. So, I mean. I, I have good news for you, Stephen, though. There, there are other cases there available. Are other, cases. There, uh, other people make cases. You, the fine woven case is not the only choice. Nope. It is not in the iPhone contract when you buy a new iPhone <laughs> that you must use a fine woven case. And I am good. I, I've always liked Apple silicone cases as well. And so I went, I got the winter blue silicone case from the Apple store. And I, I think it's a really good look. I'm trying multiple leather cases. The one thing I will recommend if you are considering buying a third party leather case right now, I have the Bellroy. I have the Nomad. I also have ones from Andar and a couple other brands coming. I, I would always choose Nomad personally. So the Nomad case is really good. Their buttons are probably some of the best. They do have a two-tone side look. So the side, like the edges of the case are black. I like that. And not leather. Yeah. And uh, the back is leather. It's very nice leather. Because I don't, I don't want to drop my case and then destroy the leather, right? Like, Oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. it it's kind of a, a two feature. You're holding the leather in your hand when you're holding right. the case, but then you drop the phone. The case does what it's supposed to do. And now you don't have this like tarnished, destroyed leather on the side of your case. Cause that's usually what happens. I've had leather cases with leather sides and you drop it. And now there's this like yeah. star pattern imprint dented into the side. And the next time you drop it in that exact, exact same spot, it's going to have much less protection you know you might like that look you might not the one aspect i would say if you're looking at third-party cases and peak design actually released a statement because they got their case out very early for the 15 pro and pro max and rather than have a button over the action button they cut out a hole the bellroy leather case is also like that where there is a hole for the action button now this might have been because they were anticipating whether or not it would be a mute switch still or if it would change to the action button a lot of people did that right and so Maybe they were trying to play it safe and just, you know, accommodate both. But the action button is definitely more difficult to push when it's a hole rather than a button. And so Peak Design actually released a statement saying they're going to replace those who have bought the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max cases. They're making a version now with a button over the action button. So any new purchases will have that. And if you bought one with a hole in it, I believe they have said you've been able, you'll be able to send it back and get a new one with a button. That's just unfortunate. I mean, I understand case makers really, it's like being first to an article. If, if you're one of the first 10 case makers that really can deliver on a case on iPhone release day, you're probably going to sell a lot of cases, but is it worth, I mean, how much did they gain by being first and then having to replace all these cases? It's honestly... So I, again, I was looking at leather cases and the Nomad shipped quickly, the Bellroy Andar was shipping quickly, unless they've gone out of stock now. The Bullstrap one, which is a popular one because there's no bottom lip on the Bullstrap leather cases, which John Syracuse famously really likes the no bottom lip cases. It's not shipping till the end of October. And I do feel like, you know, if that's the timeline for a third party manufacturer to get a case out, if they don't. People will just empty their cart and go find a different case. Right. Yeah, if it's taking that long. Yeah. Right. So I think that is the benefit of getting them in production early. But then you run into, uh, you know, the issue of making a case that doesn't maybe function as well, which is probably not the case most years. Like most years, 
they're not changing a button on the side of the phone. Like this was pretty unique. Well, we we all, we have a rumor already about the iPhone 16 adding like seven new buttons. Did you see this? Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't even. I'm, I I can't do it. It hurts. Yeah, no. I mean, I just wanted to point this one out in particular because it's kind of uh, madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to add a basically capacitive button to the right side under the power button and because there's already a opening for the mm wave antenna uh on the right side they're going to move that to the left side so the left side would have the action button the volume buttons a sim tray and the uh mm wave cutout so the the iphone is just going to be full of holes all the way around the I don't. I don't really think this is a this is a real rumor. That's a good rumor to cover, and and I know Ming Chi Kuo said there's going to be like eight thousand cameras on the back. But anyway, that's the sixteen. We need to talk about the phone. Case talk is over, Stephen. Yes, our case talk is over. Let's talk. Let's talk about the phone. I want to talk about the USB C port because this thing has been blowing my mind all week. I've been plugging everything possible into this USB C port to see what works. It's like a kid at a candy store. Just it's it's been amazing. I know the lightning to USB adapter was a thing and did offer the ability to connect at times USB microphones and like SSDs or whatever. I just want to say I had, I podcast a lot and I do a lot of testing of devices because I have to answer people's questions about what works with the iPhone specifically. And I will say that those adapters sometimes were flaky, would not work and, or would not work in certain apps. And so sometimes like an app wouldn't access the audio device the same way as like the system does. And so those adapters were kind of weird. The USB-C port on the iPhone 15 and 15 Pro is amazing. So much works with it. Direct system interface. Yeah, you're not going to, there's, there's less to trip over. There's less to trip over. Just to give you a few examples, USB-C microphone, one cable directly into the iPhone, boom. You're podcasting, plug a pair of wired headphones into the uh, USB mic, and you can record even with remote guests. Like we're using Riverside right now, you could use the Riverside app, works great. You can obviously plug SSDs in. I'm gonna get to that in video recording in a second. I plugged it into the studio display, which I really did not think was going to work because I thought it required Thunderbolt speeds or Thunderbolt connectivity. Studio display, powers up, no problem. Uh, display port. 2.0, I believe, is what is paying, being passed over. Ah, okay. That DisplayPort connection is uh, pretty powerful. I mean, it, it's only pushing 4K on the 5K display, but it works. I mean, part of my testing for the review was playing Genshin Impact on the studio display over a Thunderbolt connection <laughs> because I was trying to get my iPhone overheat like everyone else's, and I just couldn't do it. Like, it was oh. ice cold the whole time. I, I, I did everything, and it was just very, very odd. I managed to do that, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> so, the displays... That works. You can use USB-C hubs and do things like read an SD card. You can plug it into Ethernet, literally have your iPhone running off Ethernet, which I did and got like 800 megabits down, which is amazing. You can, of course, access SSDs and all that, but you can also plug in audio interfaces. And this depends on what audio interface. Some audio interfaces require more power than the iPhone USB port will provide. But if you use a USB, but if you use a USB-C hub plugged into power, many times those audio interfaces will activate. The iPhone can recognize it in an app like Ferrite. You can legitimately do multi-track recording through that audio interface yeah. right into Ferrite, and your phone is also charging because the USB-C hub is plugged into power like crazy. 
This was an observation that I made while I was writing the review, just kind of thinking out loud. The USB-C port, uh, moving to that from Lightning, Apple had a really robust accessory ecosystem. There were people who made accessories specifically for iPhones, specifically with a Lightning connector, never bothered with Android because the money wasn't there, like GameVice with their controllers, different kinds of USB uh, dongles and inputs and stuff like that. That's all USB-C now. Like they, they, they haven't really announced anything yet. I think Backbone already had a USB interface controller there's certain companies that are already dabbling with android that now just have compatibility with iphone but these bespoke accessories that were built just for iphone i think we're going to get a makeover soon with USB-C, and we're going to see a, a huge swath of new accessories because now accessory makers have even more reason to make yes. these bespoke little controllers and accessories because it works with everything they don't have to do it just for iphone anymore right now Two things I do want to specify that do not work, which I, which was interesting. Webcams, which you can connect a USB-C webcam, like the Logitech Stream Cam, to an iPad Pro. And like if you're in the FaceTime app, it will recognize the webcam and switch over to that video feed, which is wild. Which is how the capture card thing works with uh, video games, what we've been writing with about. The capture card, right. Yeah. But all of that, capture cards or things like a USB-C webcam, does not work on the iPhone. I tried multiple times, multiple ways. I would plug it into a USB-C hub into power, just it would not pull the video feed. I understand like there's probably little reason for this. Like you're not gonna wanna play a switch on a smaller screen like the iPhone. So I understand it's just an interesting difference between iPad OS 17 and iOS 17. And secondly, you can record ProRes video to an external SSD. Apple actually talked about this during the event. I would do want to specify, you cannot record directly to an SSD if you're doing just regular 4K footage, meaning non-ProRes, nor can you take photos directly to an SSD. This is only for ProRes video on the 15 Pro and Pro Max. When you enable ProRes video, you see a little USB-C text appear by the port, and then the recording time, the remaining recording time, will then display how much room is on that external SSD instead of your internal iPhone storage. So if you have a bigger SSD, let's say a one terabyte, like when I plugged in a Samsung T7 SSD into my iPhone, it'll say 140 minutes of recording remaining, as opposed to like 35 minutes for 4K30 ProRes. That's my go-to is the little Samsung guy. I, I, I've tested this too. And um, generally speaking, I believe 4K60 recording is limited to 15 minute segments just because of heating issues. And it, I think the video needs to process from time to time. So I, I think you ran into this, right? You, you just left a recording running for 15 minutes. Right. So I did a couple things. Number one, I thought I could record directly to like a USB-C flash drive from Samsung that supposedly had USB 3.1 speeds. The write speed is not fast enough and it drops frames after like three or four seconds of filming. So don't just use a USB-C flash drive, like get a legit SSD like the Samsung T7. It needs a full write speed anyway. It needs a full write speed. That was the issue. So that was my uh, first uh, issue with that. And so then I got this Samsung one terabyte, plugged it in, and I wanted to see how long it would record before it would either A, overheat, or B, just something weird happened. Uh, number one, I could not record 4K60 ProRes directly onto my iPhone. It said this is only allowed directly to external SSD. Have you experienced that? No, though, that's just the feature that was announced as part of the iPhone. Yeah, you just, gotcha. that the only reason that option exists is because of the SSD function. Right. So I plugged in the SSD into a USB-C hub, which still works. I am using an Anchor 8-in-1 USB-C hub, and you can it's fast enough to record directly to the SSD. 
plugged it into power because I wanted to keep everything charged. And I got to 15 minutes and 32 seconds until the iPhone said I've overheated. Now I was doing 4K 60, not 4K 30, but 4K 60 with that particular setup into a USB-C hub plugged into power, recording to an external Samsung SSD, the T7, 15 minutes, 32 seconds. I did have a case on where someone said, maybe take the case off and it'll cool faster. A lot of people are recommending I try the MagSafe Razor cooling fan, which is literally a small circle fan that uses MagSafe to attach to the back of the phone. I'm not doing that, people. I'm not going to do it. There's iPhone cases you can buy. And I believe that filming rig Apple used in their videos probably has something like this, but all it really needs is a heat sink. Part of the design of the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max, like Ming-Chi Kuo actually pointed this out as uh, perhaps a reason why some devices are overheating is they actually took out some of the heavy cooling elements inside yeah. of there. So there's there's actually less thermal, there's less thermal, thermal dissipation inside of the phone. But if you have some sort of cooling element external to the phone, like a case that has some kind of element that'll dis- dissipate more of that heat to the air faster and more efficiently, Recently, right. the iPhone, you know, it's not necessarily that you need literally a fan uh, connected to the back of the phone, no. which um, I think is kind of funny because it takes power to run that fan, which generates heat. So I, I don't really know how efficient that's actually being. <laughs> right. Two more things about this external recording. One, you cannot connect an external audio device while recording to an external SSD. I tried it with a USB-C hub. It will just stop recognizing one or the other. It won't connect to the audio source or it'll disconnect the SSD and then you're recording to internal storage. So if you want to use an external microphone and record ProRes video to an external SSD, you basically have to record that audio on another device. So I actually did a video yesterday and I had my iPad mini connected to my Rode Wireless Go to mic receiver and I was recording the audio to Ferrite over there and recording the video on my iPhone 4K30 ProRes to an external SSD over here. I want to I want to think about that though for a second. I, I if I had, if I had to put myself in a situation where I'm recording 4K log 60 video, right? I'm probably like a professional film guy, right? Sure. They normally record audio tracks separately anyway. Right. I, mean, I would I wouldn't s- say on a separate device, but I guess if you're if you're doing an iPhone production, maybe you have multiple iPhones. What well, there's one guy over here with audio, one guy right. The boom mic isn't technically connected to the camera following following the people around on the movie set uh half the time they're adding in the audio in post-production so sure i I can understand the limitation from a standpoint but i i wonder if this may be a bandwidth issue maybe we're you know just overloading that connection i think it is a bandwidth issue because my final point on this is i did an extended video recording 4k 30 so the lower frame rate but prores video directly to an external ssd I recorded about 25 minutes of A-roll. It did not overheat. It was charging while it was recording to the external SSD. And so it was, everything worked as advertised. I probably could have gone to like 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, I didn't test how long because I was trying to actually make a video. But I did notice that it started dropping frames late into the recording. So I'm talking about like 15 to 20 minutes in to that recording It's not as bad as recording to like a thumb drive, but it did start dropping frames here and there. It was noticeable at the about 15 minute mark. Would that be the case if I was not going through a USB-C hub? I'm not sure. I'll have to do another test on that. I also imagine if I just recorded directly to the internal iPhone storage, that would not have been the case either. There probably wouldn't have been dropped frames. Right. But that was just my experience doing yesterday through this whole like A-roll setup. 
And I'll use a picture for the chapter art so you can actually see the ridiculous setup I was trying to use uh, for this thing. So that's just my final word. Here, I'm not, you know, any kind of a video person. I, I, I record the occasional video of family or a pet or something. I mean, I, I just feel like it's it's probably good practice not to just record hours of a video in one go. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you need to hit that stop button and let it process every now and then. And um especially as we're getting to these higher more complex uh, formats uh, taking an hour of pro res video in one take seems unrealistic which I, i'll be honest i kind of wish i got a one terabyte iphone it's the only way to go now it's the only way to go yeah, it's the only way to go if you are like an, an individual creator and if you're doing like youtube content typically if you're recording a role the part of you just talking to the camera like that is the audio for the entire video and also like the shot of you speaking Typically you record that in one take because unless you're working off a script, you might like start and stop multiple times. And now there are actually great AI tools that can help cut it down when you record it like that in one go. And so that's why I was doing like yeah. a 30, you know, ish minute recording, but yeah, that makes total sense. I, I, I mean, 30 minutes is reasonable. I'm just talking about once you start getting across that hour oh, yeah, mark, no, no, no. I feel like you're asking for trouble. It's kind of like writing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the ultimate sin as a writer if you write directly into the CMS and the browser refreshes the page <laughs> and you've lost everything <laughs> that you just. Oh, that's yeah. not good yet. Which I will say, like my Sony a7 IV mirrorless, I can only record maybe 35 to 40 minutes max also. And then it overheats and stops recording. So, you know, yeah. it, the iPhone is close to that. This is something I'm like completely ignorant about. About. Like I, I, I feel like I need to go do research on the big boy cameras and see like what the recording limits are, what standard practices are in this in this range yeah. because I, I find it very interesting. I wonder what considerations Apple is making here for people using this equipment, or if like I said earlier, if they're just like, oh, this is just a, a standard practice. Like we don't need to give them audio recording while they're recording ProRes 4K log because there's some other dude over here with a microphone. Why would why would they need to do both? Right, but, and and that is correct. I think a lot of time audio is recorded separately. This episode is brought to you by Notion AI. Guys, I absolutely love Notion. I've been using it for years, not just to organize my thoughts, but also podcasts, projects, videos, all of that lives in Notion. This way it's searchable. I can link notes to each other. And now there's an incredibly powerful tool built right into Notion, which is Notion AI. With Notion AI, it can help you write things, summarize things, make something that you've recorded, like let's say a transcript for a podcast, Make that into a blog post. Get social media posts about that topic. And what I love about Notion AI is that if you're not sure what prompts to use, which a lot of times is the challenge with something like ChatGPT or other AI services, is just kind of like a blank slate that doesn't give you many starting points, Notion AI will walk you along the process. You select some text and then Notion AI will surface some suggestions. Do you want to make the sound more casual, more formal? Do you want to expand this, summarize this? And it will help walk you through giving you ideas of how to use it. And that makes it an incredible tool for everyone. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. And you can leverage the power of AI right inside Notion across all your notes and documents without needing to jump between your work and a separate AI power tool, which is so nice. No more copy and pasting back and forth. So whatever you're working on, let Notion AI let you skip to the good part. Save time and write faster by letting Notion AI handle the brainstorm and first draft or turn your messy notes into something polished. Just select some text and then click Ask AI and Notion AI will help increase your productivity like never before. So try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com slash Apple Insider. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash Apple Insider to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting the Apple Insider show. So try Notion AI for free at notion.com slash Apple Insider. 
Our thanks to Notion for sponsoring this episode and our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. So skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh has been so key for our family. I do a lot of the grocery shopping and we still do groceries, but honestly, not having to think about new recipes, trying to find ingredients that maybe I'm not familiar with. When you order from HelloFresh, not only do you have an incredible menu to choose from with over 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons to choose from every week, but then you get all the ingredients in the box right there. You don't have to worry about trying to find something that you're not familiar with or just wandering the grocery store. And fall can be very busy. We all have busy schedules, but with their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. And if you want to spend less time on planning, shopping, and cooking for the family and more time with them, use HelloFresh with their time-saving breakfast, family dinners, and kid-approved lunches and snacks, which can be very difficult. I'll actually include a picture of my family cooking HelloFresh. I've talked about a Gouda burger with this red relish recently, a pork loin and rice. And the picture for the chapter right now is my family literally cooking a Hello fresh dinner. So go to hellofresh.com slash 50 Apple Insider and use the promo code 5050 Apple Insider for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That's hellofresh.com slash 50 Apple Insider and use the promo code 50 Apple Insider 50 for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. And you'll find that link and promo code in the show notes as well. Our thanks to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit for sponsoring this episode. So the one time I've, I did see overheating personally was when I was doing that 4K60 test and it stopped recording due to heating and I got the warning on screen. I have noticed a couple times with heavy usage that my iPhone will feel slightly warm. But again, I'm using the heck out of it right now because it's early days. I'm testing a lot of things. Right. I'm spending an hour customizing my action button. Like there's a lot of stuff I'm doing on the phone, but I have not noticed to the extent that it seems other people have uh, of overheating. Also, I'm just going to include this with this topic and then you can comment on both, but like the durability, people saying like dropping this from a ladder, it breaks easier than the iPhone 14. That may be the case. I mean, it's a lighter frame as titanium, but well, stop dropping it from a ladder. I mean, what now, are you I doing? Say, I dropped mine last night. I was walking through the kitchen. I had it in my silicone case and I accidentally dropped it because I was trying to carry too many things at once. And I picked it up, took the case off and like, it's fine. Uh, very anecdotal. I'm just saying I have dropped it. It's totally fine. Like no marks, whatever, but drop tests are the dumbest thing on the internet <laughs> next to, um, what's the thing where people open and close apps really quickly. Oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I can't, I can't, I can't decide, but both of them are just stupid. They're Which, like, Mike had a piece on Apple insider just saying like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Of course I will include it. Uh, but he actually came from a technical standpoint of like drop tests like actual tests are very systematic. They're repeated over and over again. There's like facilities for this. He has personal experience with it, which also Mike was the one that told me to stop using a thumb drive to record externally to an SSD. Thank you, Mike. Material science is a science, right? And dropping things randomly on the floor, not as much of a science, right? So if you want to talk about tensile strength and whether or not something like brittle fracture kind of nonsense, you know, like if we're going to talk about like, you know, at this temperature at this time, if you drop it at this angle, will this material give or will it hold? All that is, you know, very straightforward. Uh, like, you know, is something going to be more brittle or more tough? Yeah. Great, whatever. Like we can go all the way in all those details. I got trained on that in the military too. Me and Mike got similar training, but it's just... No, (laughs) climbing a ladder and dropping an iPhone tells us nothing except that it breaks when you drop it from a ladder. It's the only thing I'll say is if you I guess I guess if you directly compare it 
a 14 Pro and a 15 Pro, and you drop the phone from the height. Again, so many variables like wind, how you drop it, infinite variables, the angle of descent. Like, what percent tilt did the iPhone 14 have versus the iPhone 15 when it impacted the ground? Do you have 10,000 photos in your library because those photos are heavy on the phone? You know, it could be all kinds of things. You have more atoms. You have more atoms stored in the SSD. Exactly, like all that, but I, like I'm not, I, I have not watched any of those. I the internet weighs 13 grams, Stephen. No, <laughs> watch those videos for entertainment because that's all they are. They're not information. They're not informative. They don't give you anything. If you're worried about damaging your phone, put it in a case or use the case uh, of Apple Care. Um, but right. don't stress over this stuff. Just like I keep reiterating, don't stress so much about battery battery health. It's interesting. Go learn about it. Go see what your battery percentage is. I don't care about you doing any of that, but spending your days worrying about if your phone's going to break, your battery's going to stop working, or your screen's going to scratch is going to drive you mad. Stop. Like You don't need to do those things. Just use your phone. And I do think the overheating is a similar thing where, again, whether it gets a little warm, maybe there'll be a software update. Okay. Maybe the, the dissipation, like Ming-Chi Kuo said, is different. I don't think this is a huge concern. Mo- yeah, moving on to the overheating thing. This is a different situation. So obviously it's specific to certain SKUs. Um, we found that uh, the it seems to be SIM card versions of the iPhone that tend to do it more. It's really hard to find a pattern here because there isn't one. Mm. Um, is it just that people are doing more intensive tasks? Maybe they're trying to update their iCloud photo library because they just installed the phone and they're playing Genshin Impact and checking Facebook. Right. All think like a warm phone isn't an issue. What people are talking about is it's hitting 120 degrees plus uh, within seconds of turning on the phone, especially when it's charging on USB-C. Mm. That is an issue. The phone should not be getting that hot. 95 degrees is the peak standard operating temperature. If it gets hotter than that, then you're running into potentials for your phone will put up that warning message. If it internally is hotter than 95 degrees, it'll put up that warning message, say your phone needs to cool down. Um, you can use a water drop method, sprinkle water on the back of your phone to make it cool down faster. Like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Like that's yeah. serious uh, structural integrity problems if it's at that temperature for too long. It seems to me that this will probably be fixed with a software update. I'm guessing that there's a battery management or a power management issue that is triggering this uh, that, that's because of it being so inconsistent. If it was a hardware issue, it would be more consistent. We would, yeah. everyone would be talking about it. Everyone would be having this issue. The fact that I have put this thing through every benchmarking tool game, I can't get it more than mildly warm. And that just tells me that like the ones that are, getting crazy there's either a specific battery component in use and and like 20 percent of the phones or there's something in software that needs to be managed to prevent basically thermal runaway yeah it's one of those things that will get fixed and then we'll probably forget that it ever happened i don't think this is a a, a new gate or controversy or whatever it 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 does seem to be vocal minority any poll we've run uh, anything i've seen from other publications people investigating this it's like a very very small percentage of people it just so happens that some of the people have a popular tiktok or a popular (laughs) youtube channel and they have a lot more reach and it's like the iphones are burning down my house and now it's this huge thing and I, I honestly don't believe it's that big a deal. Yeah. Like it's that low volume. We're talking hundreds out of millions kind of thing. Right. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so of course I'll link Wes's full review of the 15 Pro Max in the show notes. Uh, also just before we get off of that, cause I do want to talk about macOS Sonoma, which was now available for everyone earlier this week. 
we'll talk about the camera. I'd love to hear from you more. I'll just say quickly, obviously I've been focusing more on the video side of it, which I have found the video performs so well. It's great. I have taken some pro raw photos and I do love that little uh, button in the camera app for the pro max photo, which means it's like uh pro raw. And then it's like the maximum 48 megapixel. And the pictures look great. I was taking pictures outside of a product uh, to use in like a thumbnail. And it's just, it looks so good. Like the camera's great. The 5X versus 3X from the 14 Pro, I think that is a little more divisive. Some people feel like they had preferred the 3X instead of having all the way to the 5X, which I find I actually go to 2X mode a lot uh, for just that focal distance. And so I'll do that. And so I don't miss the 3X as much. I actually like the 5X for actually getting close to things that are far away. So that's just been my anecdotal experience, but talk to me about yours. Optically, the 3X camera was garbage. It was not a great lens, yeah. It, it, you had, If you were gonna use the 3X lens, you had to be in bright sunlight. Uh, yes. if, if you were indoors, period, I, I, even in my cave of a house, it doesn't count. I'm talking about white eggshell walls with lights turned on it would still switch to the main camera because the main camera, it doesn't care what optical setting, like the 1X, 2X, 5X, there, there is a light sensor. And if it decides that uh, it's below a certain lux, it's going to just use the main camera and crop the sensor. Right. And that is still true for the 5X Tetra Prism camera, right? I, I, I noticed that because I was taking pictures and because if you have an eye for this stuff, you can tell if you're uh, photographing a subject up close. So 120 millimeters, you're going to get a really buttery bokeh because uh, especially if you're punched in, like basically minimum focusing distance on this camera right. is like five feet. You have to be away from right. the subject, yeah, you move away. but once you get to that uh, minimum focusing distance and punch all the way into the 120 millimeters, you're going to get just this really excellent, the background's going to disappear and the subject's going to be in focus and it's a almost a true portrait uh, yeah. camera. Um, and it's a very natural bokeh. If you use, if you switch to portrait mode, it's going to, you can really tell the computerized versus the thing. I, I recommend anyone with this phone try out this uh, as a portrait camera because it's really nice. I noticed when I was shooting that little robot um, for my review that it was switching to the main camera, the 48 megapixel main camera. Uh, it might've been because I was within the minimum focus distance. Cause I noticed later with the deer, right. there were three deer walking around on the trail I was on and I was able to um, use the 120 millimeter camera the whole time. It never switched. It was a dim area and uh, shades of the trees. Uh, the sensor obviously is much uh, better at light gathering. It has a really fast uh, f-stop. So right. the telephoto lens on this on this phone is much better. You're going to use it in much more situations and get a lot more detail. Um, but I never it never tried to do that. So I, I haven't had time to really test this. But my theory is it might have been me just messing up the minimum focus distance. But it could be a lighting issue too. Like if you were in a dim to dark room and tried to use the 5x camera, I don't think it would work. I think it would switch to the main camera. Mm. But more than likely, I was just too close to the subject and it was trying to take the main camera and crop it. But 5x camera is an absolute must. I like if you are if you care about photography at all, if you care about cameras at all, 3x is garbage. It's it's out the door. I mean, if you if you can't stand the um, bigger phone, wait till next year. It's coming to all the phones apparently. 
uh, but this pair, this uh, not periscope, it's not even tetraprism. Yeah, tetraprism, uh, which is a prism that reflects the light four times. This is not four separate lenses stacked like right. a periscope. It is rock sitting inside of your iPhone reflecting <laughs> light. I, I that is the most significant uh, update to this camera. I, I went over it in the review. The two X zoom is identical. Yeah. I even have a slider. You can tell that the the color saturation, the noise levels, the two X camera takes identical photos for the most part, unless you're in a um, HDR situation that's going to trigger that new smart HDR. The 2, 2X is going to be the same. That's my favorite lens personally. That's usually where I start is 2X because uh, it's a good portrait uh, length at 50 millimeters. Um, you're going to get a good bokeh on whatever subject you're doing. Yes. Um, I also know a lot of detail about Apple's new 1X system where it, it punches in at 1.2 and 1.5X, which is basically the main camera is 24 millimeters normally, and it punches into 28 millimeters and 35 millimeters. And those are both standard portrait length lens. Basically, the, the photographic community argues between a lot. They, they don't know which <laughs> one to recommend more for which situation. You kind of have to play to your own style. Right. It, it, like if you watch the Apple event or even test it yourself, it does feel like it's doing nothing or next to nothing. It's just kind of cropping in a little bit. But I'm telling you that little bit of focal distance is enough to change what a person looks like it changes the length of their nose in the photo the right. the uh the strength of their chin right uh the more you zoom in the softer their features will be the more flattering it'll be and that's why the the 35 millimeter specifically is going to be great for taking people pictures or you'll want to use the 28 um for pets if you're going to get close but yeah like i said in the review if you're going to be far away 120 for pets yeah color gradients are different um i noticed that especially in macro mode i'm getting more natural colors instead of super saturated colors something about the pipeline change there i'm i'm probably i'm assuming it's probably the smart hdr uh, the main camera still takes amazing detailed photos nothing changed about that 48 megapixel taking identical photos there yeah. but i would definitely say if you care at all about photography if you're if you're a kind of person that takes a lot of photos pro max is the way to go get that 120 millimeter length you'll use it for everything and I posted on uh, Mastodon, we can get it in the show notes because I didn't use it in the review. I took some moon shots with the phone the other yeah. day. Again, not perfect. I didn't take it through a telescope. It, it was a handheld thing in the middle of the night at 25x zoom. There it is. It's it's the moon. I didn't need uh, AI to resolve the image and uh, superimpose a new moon into it or anything like that. Run of the mill moon photo, but that 120 millimeters really makes a difference. And then you're punching in uh, an additional five times, basically digitally. And whatever algorithms Apple's using for that five, uh, 25x is great. They're not yeah. Instagram worthy photos, but 25x are usable photos. Like I can read text on a billboard or a big overview of the camera system i know it talks a lot of any any input up from you on cameras no i concur i do have fun like again i like the 5x i think it's going to be interesting to test out especially in in good lighting you know i think for sports stuff or if you have kids and you're going to like baseball games or basketball games i think it's going to be really useful and also video on the 5x lens as well right is going to be interesting which I do, uh, this is a question and just kind of experience, but Tyler Stallman, who has an incredible YouTube channel, he reviews things, you know, from a photographer, a cinematographer perspective. He's had a couple of videos showing the action mode on the 15 Pro Max, and he will zoom in like way far in using the 5X lens, record in action mode, and he'll show kind of like the pre-stabilized footage and then the post-stabilized footage. And it is insane. Like Yeah, the digital stabilization is nuts on this. It is 
nuts and, and like no one on tiktok is like believing him like all the comments are like no way this isn't real and so he did like a follow-up video just showing like the incredible stabilization of action mode if you do that on the iphone 15 pro and pro max it can't do 4k it does knock it down to 2.8k but it's it's still a great resolution to be recording just hyper stabilized footage if you were shooting freehand uh, it's just it looks amazing this specifically for the 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 pro max because it's the one with the 3d optic stabilization right right so that one actually um because of the way the zoom lens works you're zooming in you get 3d physical motors uh, operating at 10,000 micro adjustments per second or whatever plus action mode which is doing digital um basically it's cropping in uh 10 on the sensor and stabilizing with software so you have hardware stabilization software st stabilization so you're basically getting as much as possible without using a gimbal and uh yeah it's pretty smooth well links to all of that again and wes's review is in the show notes quickly want to talk about 17.1 beta and macOS sonoma the 17.1 beta one is out so might be Probably, I think, October, maybe when we'll see this actually come out everywhere. Big new features are some changes to Apple Music, including those shared playlists, but also airdrop over the internet. This was a big feature announced at WWDC, where if you start airdropping something, but actually have to physically separate from that person or device, that airdrop can still continue with just internet access. So that'll be coming with 17.1. All those betas are out there as well, including macOS Sonoma, which also was released publicly earlier this week. It was Tuesday, I believe, you could download uh, macOS Sonoma. And of course, we have articles on the website all about it. But big features were interactive and desktop widgets, the new wallpapers, which I find just to be awesome. They just look great. You can make websites into web apps and put them in the dock, a la the old OS X dashboard, if you remember that. So what's this about profiles being confusing? Okay, so I'm gonna get to that in a second. <laughs> um, and then the, the other big feature is like camera things like presenter mode. So if you're using continuity camera or your built-in webcam on a Mac, you can do things like layer yourself over a slide you're presenting, which is then overlaid on the background. So basically that removes subject from background feature that Apple announced and released last year with iOS 16. That's basically being used live with these camera settings. So you can actually look like you are either in picture in picture or you know referring to a slide that's behind you uh, like live in your Zoom call or Microsoft Teams or whatever. And so there's integrations coming to multiple apps like that. Now, one of the big features I was excited about and I quickly jumped on were Safari profiles. Now, if you use Chrome or other browsers, you might be more familiar with this. Boo. But I'm just saying that they were there first. <laughs> but profiles basically being like, I'm going to create a profile for my personal accounts. And so when I go to Gmail and this browser window is part of my personal profile, it's going to log into my personal Gmail account and hopefully stay logged in so I don't have to keep switching accounts and re-logging in. That'll be my personal profile. Then I'll have a work profile and I'll have my work Google account logged in there and I can have different favorites, different bookmarks, a different uh, favorite tabs up at the top of the Safari window. Now you can have that. So you're just logged in and this way you can have two windows open. You're logged into your personal Gmail in this window, your work email in this one, and there the two shall meet and they can be separate, but remain logged in. And it's really good. I set up multiple profiles because I have multiple Google accounts for things like an Apple Insider profile. I have my personal profile. So like on the face of it, it looks good. The one feature I was trying very hard to get to work. It's a little weird because with the profiles, you basically have to open a new window into the profile you're going into. Okay. And then each individual profile in Safari you can set up to load whatever you want. You can have a 
the start page be the first thing you see when you open a new window, or, which I was excited about this, you could basically have a folder or group of favorites open up every time you open a window. And this is basically what I wanted because previously I was using tab groups and I basically created a tab group per profile uh, previously. So like in macOS Ventura, I would have a tab group called Apple Insider and it would have all the tabs that I need for the podcast and things like that. Now I want that, but I want it so when I open a new window to my Apple Insider profile, all those tabs are open. So I moved the tab groups into the profiles because you can do that. You can now move tab groups between profiles and have distinct tab groups per profile. But it was a click, it was a couple clicks away. Like I had to open the left sidebar in Safari, click the tab group, and now the tabs are open. Then I saw in the Safari preferences that you can choose to have an individual profile open a specific set of bookmarks or links, favorites, uh, every time you open the window. So I was like, this is exactly what I want. Perfect. So I literally reorganized all of my bookmarks, created new bookmark folders. So all the tabs that I had in that tab group for the Apple Insider tab group, for instance, were now in a folder distinct. And I could say my Apple Insider profile, whenever I open a new window with that profile, open these links. I just want these tabs open all the time every time I open this profile in the new Safari window. It works-ish for the most part, but for some reason, the first profile I created, which was for my personal profile, like my personal Google account, YouTube, all that, for some reason, it opens all the favorites underneath it. And so I'll have like 20 tabs open where I am only pointing it to a folder of five tabs. And so I don't know if this is a bug or if I'm doing something wrong. It works with my other profiles. So if I open a new Safari window with the Apple Insider profile, it will open the set of bookmarks that I have in that distinct folder that I've specified, and it works just like I want it to. New window opens, Apple Insider profile. I have the six or seven tabs I want for that. Great. If I open a new window for a third and fourth, like I literally have five different profiles. They all work except for my main personal one, which was the first one I set up. For some reason, it opens all the tabs underneath it, and I don't know why. So that's why I'm confused. Yeah, I have no idea what you're doing. Okay. Like, like <laughs> okay. everything you just described is alien to me because that is just I I I, did, I didn't even know you could set like a bookmark folder to open. I, I don't even know what you're talking about because okay. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't even sound like the 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 feature. Honestly, like I, I think you've d delved into some secret like part of Mac OS and found like a new feature. No, no, seriously, like yeah. I'm sure that's part of it, and I just missed it. Maybe I'm I'm using it wrong. And profiles have been quite simple and straightforward for me. I just have a work profile, a personal profile. And then within those profiles, I have different tab groups. My work prof, my Apple Insider profile has like an editorial tab where I have permanently open tabs for our publisher CMS, the, our website, our YouTube page, you know, just e easy access to that stuff for when I'm writing. And then I have a like SEO uh, page for seeing different social media pages or, or for managing, um, different content and then i have like the social media like tabs themselves where i can see our twitter and our facebook yeah, yeah. and stuff like that right so i have different tab those are my tab groups right so each tab group has different tabs open that are permanently open i just switch that tab group to see those tabs and then i switch to personal and my personal has tab groups for financial you know stuff like that so my personal social media my personal um shopping like i have a, a separate thing for shopping and amazon and stuff like that so it's just a 
basically I have it set up like a pyramid. You know, the top level's profile, middle level is tab group, lower level is tab, right? I guess you can open <laughs> a series of bookmarks into a window. I don't know. I personally don't know what you're using that for. I, I understand what you just said, but it just, like I said, it sounds like an alien language to me. <laughs> well, I'll put a screenshot. The chapter art for this will be a screenshot of the profile settings in Safari preferences. And you can see there's a new windows open with dropdown and you can choose start page, empty page, same page, or tabs for your profile name. And then you can also change what favorites, namely the shortcut, the short bookmarks that appear at the top of the Safari window. If you have favorites visible, you can choose different sets of favorites per profile. And so, see, no, I already did that, and that's amazing. Like, um, yeah, that's great. So, if go go into your settings for this, and yes. what's really cool about um, profiles and tab groups is each tab group can have its own start page um, with its own background, so you know exactly which tab group you're in without even having to look. The cool thing is, is it, you can have it show a basic set of favorites at all times, which I've done. So you can see your, you know, doesn't matter what tab group or even what profile you're in. There's always a set of favorites showing that are identical across the board. So that's good for easy access to certain things like different tools you use. And then each tab group can have its own tab group favorites bookmarks above that. That's its own um, thing that shows up when you're only in that tab group, like you were saying. Like that's those are all amazing tools. Right. I recommend it. And if you want to take it even a step further, use um, focus filters so that when you're in personal focus, you're only see your. Uh, it automatically opens Safari in your personal profile, right. or like the work focus work profile stuff like that. And that's all really cool. Um, I haven't played with a Mac other than to record podcasts in like the last three weeks. So <laughs> let me, let me open settings and see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me look at this. If you're trying to use profiles like I am, please let me know uh, if there's a better way to do it. Again, it works with like three of my four profiles. It's just this one personal one. I'm not sure why it's opening multiple of these bookmarks, but just let me know. Uh, otherwise, Sonoma has been pretty good for me. It's a, a little buggy in a couple places. My finger, touch ID on my magic keyboard uh, does not respond 100% of the time. Sometimes I have to actually enter my Mac password when like going into iCloud Keychain. So that's a little weird. But aside from that, like all my audio devices work, video devices work. Seems like a very stable upgrade. I know people were asking like, should I wait or whatever? I think it's very stable. I've not experienced anything uh, really that noticeable or mission critical. And it's good. The wallpapers alone, I know it sounds like a, a frivolous thing, but wallpapers are really awesome. Like oh, the yeah, whole no. animation of the lock screen going into the wallpaper. Like, I just love it. It's really cool. And that makes me wonder if we're going to ever see any screensavers or anything like that on an iPad. Like, I wonder be nice. as much as this seems like a Mac thing, like a part of the operating system is screensavers because they were so necessary back in the day. And I guess they still kind of are. I think they're mostly there for aesthetics now, but um, they were so necessary back then to preserve our displays. That's why they're literally <laughs> called screensavers. Right. I, I, I wonder if because the, of the iPad and its nature, maybe when we have always on displays, there will be room for that. But then again, we'll have standby mode. I mean, Mac doesn't have standby mode. I don't have giant widgets showing up on my uh, display when it's asleep. So I don't know. It's just, it's a curious thought there. Like it would be cool. We're running out of things um, for Apple to add to iPhone or even iPad that Android has had for a while, right? Like I have a buddy <laughs> who has a Samsung Galaxy and uh, I see him a few times a year and he's he, he's a big Samsung fan. And he'll show me his phone and be like, look at this. And his, <laughs> his, lock, his lock screen <laughs> 
is a video loop of a car driving down a highway. It's like an animated car. It's it's really it's a really cool uh, thing, and I I wonder what damage it does to his battery. But it's really cool. I'm like I wonder if iPhone would ever do that. Like right now we have the live uh, live photo lock screen wallpaper on iPad that lets it play a little animation when you unlock the iPad. That's cool. Yeah. We have the thing where if you're in the astronomy mode, it'll zoom out on the moon or whatever. Like those things are cool. But will Apple ever? do live video like full looping gif lock screen or home screen uh wallpapers i expect it could happen on the lock screen but i don't think it'll ever happen on the home screen that's just too much too busy yeah it's a lot it takes a long time to download even one of these animated wallpaper lock screens <laughs> like from the settings menu i don't know i just i just find it interesting as a whole because um android users are like i'll, I'll ask like the people in my fa- in my life who are devout android users and be like all right so what would it take to go to iphone and they're like this and this and i'm like okay well we got those features this year th- these features last year you know what's left what is android listeners if you made it to the end of the show i don't know if you listen to this but you know contact us let us know what is the software feature i'm not talking about hardware right now because i know there's different hardware things like eight thousand different android phones someone has hardware apple doesn't software wise android operating system what is there that you can do that you just cannot do on iphone and i wonder if apple will ever implement those things and would that make you switch like that's the question these days yeah i'm always constantly thinking back to 2014 15 era when the samsung versus apple wars were were (laughs) heavy on and and people were just killing each other over this stuff you know should the home screen have widgets Uh, why are people spending time on the home screen when they should be launching apps that was the argument um apple users were making uh uh, why we shouldn't have widgets and then we got them we're like oh these are really cool um which is usually what happens i i just wonder what what's next for iphone in that respect and what's coming forward and as i use the iphone 15 pro max to, to bring it back around i just think man this is a powerful piece of technology um the a17 pro is more powerful i put in a geek bench score just for laughs uh the Mac Pro with M2 Ultra uh, scores lower on single core. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, of course. Again, Geekbench is just a worthless metric, but it's fun to look at the numbers. I find sure. it, it, it's, it's, it's again, entertainment, guys, versus information. Yeah. Separate the two. As we close out the show, I just want to ask you, what do you think of your phone? D- did you get the right phone this year? You know, I'm getting used to the size. You know, I forgot to talk about this at the top, but I think I got the right one. I'm enjoying the 5X lens. I'm enjoying the bigger screen. My, I don't know if my pinky is as I try to hold up the phone. Right. I do find I do have to double-handed more often than not. But I, I'm enjoying it. I think I got the right one. I thought before I saw the natural titanium in person that I was going to return it for the natural titanium. But I, I'm good with my uh, blue titanium. And I like it. I, I enjoy the big phone. I enjoy everything about it. So... I think I'm good. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what developers do with this new hardware. Apple Watch included. Uh, more powerful processor on the Apple Watch. More, you know, the A17 Pro haven't even tapped into that. There's a lot of potential over the next year, and we'll be here talking about it on the show. So That's it. And you can reach out to Wes and I. All of our links to different social medias, Threads, Mastodon, and X are all in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, you can support the show, get an ad-free version, and early access if you support directly in Apple Podcast or at patreon.com slash Apple Insider. Thanks for joining and listening as always, and we'll see you next time.